We've all experienced the frustration of being on the phone to a customer support team because our internet, TV, PC, or printer's not working. But the audio communication channel just isn't working for us. Support is telling us to check warning lights or to clear a drum, yet I can't find the drum and I've got no idea what the warning lights are really saying. It was this frustration that drove Rama to found Blitz. Blitz fundamentally transforms how customer service and field service teams operate by enriching them with incredibly powerful, intuitive visual and collaborative tools. It's like what screen sharing has done for software support, but now the physical world. Welcome to Fractal Startup Marketing, the podcast for founders who are frustrated that potential customers do not understand or they undervalue their innovative business solutions. My name is Jared Doyle, and each episode I interview founders who openly discuss how they're tackling the seven P's of startup marketing. In true startup fashion, we aim to learn through collaboration and discussion. Let's get into it. So Rama, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the episode. Thanks so much, Gerard. It's great to be here. You know, you're probably 17 hours ahead of us. I'm looking forward to talking to you and thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I always like to say when I speak to people on the other side of the world that the day is looking great. So I'm, I'm well into my Wednesday. And I can tell you that it's a good day. So <laughs> you can go to bed, enjoy it, wake up and go, Jerry told me today was going to be great. So there you go. <laughs> yes, you're predicting the future for me. That's not something I hear too often. So thank you. <laughs> so we'll do what we do in all episodes. And I think we need to set the context of Blitz for the people listening to the podcast. So can you give us your sort of two to three minute pitch of what Blitz is? You bet, Gerard. By the way, it's Blitz with two Zs, just in case you're going to type this online. So it's two Zs and it's .co. So what we do is really, really this, right? Say you're a subscriber for broadband services. Say you call your internet company in Australia. It could be Optus. It could be one of those big companies. You call them up, say my router, and you call this on your, on your smartphone, obviously, these days. And we say, hey, I've got a problem with my router. I'm not getting the speeds I get to, uh, I normally get, or I'm not, my internet's faulty. What do they do typically? Today, what they do is they follow a script and try to understand what's going on. They probably ask you to power recycle the modem, things of that sort. But imagine this. Imagine if they could actually see your situation somehow where, you know, through Blitz, what they would do today is send you a link during that conversation. You click on that link and your back camera turns on and suddenly they can see your exact problem. They can see the different connections on the router. They can see your entire setup. And now they're really empathizing with you and understanding what's in front of you to solve it in a more meaningful manner with a lot more empathy. So that's what Blitz does. It does not only for people at contact centers who troubleshoot your problem, but then when they dispatch a technician out to your house and that technician gets stuck, Blitz also brings in that collaborative platform where that technician can get help from a subject matter expert sitting somewhere else in the country at HQ perhaps. So we bring in live video a bit of augmented reality, chatting, and troubleshooting collaboration to get problems done much faster by having eyes on the problem and bringing multiple experts to the problem. That's great and good explanation. And I, I should say, just before we came on and started recording, I said I had a look at your explainer video. And I look, I'm a huge fan of explainer videos. And it's not just because I work with an explainer video company, biteable.com, and we work in that space. But I was able to watch your explainer video. And I'll put that link in the show notes for people too, if they want to set some context for the rest of the conversation. Your explainer video is absolutely awesome. Like it's just, I get it straight away. And it's, it's humorous, it's engaging. Just the whole thing around the printer and, and printers are great, right? Printers are that 
problem that everyone has and everyone's experienced. And what I like about your proposition is that, and sort of moving into the problem is that both sides of your, I guess the relationship have equal stress here, right? You've got, in the explain video, you've got the printer problem. You've got the person trying to use the printer who's absolutely losing it at the printer. But on the flip side, you've got the customer service person who's increasingly frustrated that they're not, you know, the, the customer's not helping them in any way. So what I love about your product is it solves problems for both ends. I mean, obviously you've got a customer, but where did you sort of start from? When you were sort of formulating, okay, there's a problem. Did you come at it from the technician and customer service side? Or were you like the frustrated customer who couldn't explain what was going wrong to the, the service provider? Great question. I was the frustrated customer. I was actually a scientist working in a lab at MIT here in Boston. And, you know, these, these were, I, I was building vacuum equipment, pretty technical stuff, lots of different gizmos that build it, come on top, accessories, measuring, measurement tools. And every time there was a problem with one of the measurement tools, I'd have to call up the vendor and explain to him that, okay, this laser is not working. Or And here I was an experimentalist who was good with his hands. But what would happen is that because of the disconnect, you know, the person couldn't see what I was experiencing, they would actually say, okay, I can come out there in about two to three weeks. He'd fly across the country come to my lab and take a look at the problem, solve it in five minutes and go back and charge me quite a hefty sum for it. And that was very, very frustrating. That was the only time when I stopped my experimentation and did more of the paper writing. So yeah, that it was, to answer your question, it was from the experience as an end user of a piece of equipment that I needed to get to troubleshoot, uh, needed to troubleshoot and get going with my work. So the big, the big problem here is that you know, person to person, anyone can fix the problem. Or we're assuming in this case, you know, someone can fix the problem, but most customer service and support teams are remote and that's for cost reasons. And so we've got this gap. You're either, someone turns up in person and like you said, you get charged a lot, but they'll more, more than likely solve it. Or on the flip side, the team's remote, they're often cheaper, it's much faster, but the chances of them fixing it are much lower. And you're basically fixing the gap in between those two scenarios using AI and phones. And, and well, basically everyone has a phone, right? So we basically have all the technology we need. You're just utilizing that to solve the gap between a physical presence and remote support. Is that a good way to summarize that problem? It is, it is. And also, you know, there are cases where, you know, the call center person may not be that skilled or knowledgeable. They're just basically getting in the request from the customer and then they'll probably send out a dispatch technician out to the site. But you know what, what I've learned, and this is from experience, is a big chunk of the cases are very, very simple problems that anybody, even a call center agent who's not that technical, can be trained to look out for. Like cables falling from the back of the TV. Hey, where's that cable there? I see it. I see it thanks to Blitz. I see it. I see one cable go going up there, but I don't see the usual other cable that needs to go up there. Where's that cable? So being able to see that and tell the customer, hey, all you have to do is reach out, look for a cable and plug it back in, that would save an expensive dispatch or what we call a truck roll. So that's, that's one thing. And so, yes, to your point, we bridge that gap, but there are cases where we need to send somebody out. And even there... When somebody goes out, that person could get stuck and they could get, get help via Blitz as well. So there, there are multiple aspects to troubleshooting a problem. Right. And when you're sort of speaking to a prospective customer or a client and you're sort of pitching what you're going to do and, and, and the promise of a better, a better life and a better scenario and outcome for them, do you focus on that sort of better support and so you get happier customers or do you focus on reduced costs or do you pitch both of them sort of equally weighted? It's both of them, really, so far, because 
You know, the customer experience is very, very important, especially at the end of the call. You've got the net promoter score that they're scored on. So a, a cable company, a large cable company that we work with really cares about what that net promoter score is. And then again, the other aspect is why do they have to send out a technician if they don't have to? I mean, uh, large cable companies in the U.S. Uh, have truck rolls in the millions in terms of, you know, like 15, 20 million truck rolls a year. And each truck roll averages between 100 and $150. So if you do the math, it's, it's a lot of money. And if you're able to cut that, cut that down by 10, 20%, that moves the needle for them. So both, both are important. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that's the case. And, and again, you know, as a consumer, I look at it and just go, that would just be amazing. Like, it's one thing to have someone come out and fix it. I, like, I don't, you know, necessarily care about whether Optus or Telstra or whoever I'm using out here in Australia, right, you know, right. makes money or not. I, I don't right. really fear for them. But, uh, you know, my experience, but if they can solve it on the same day, because, you know, if I, my internet's down for a day or two, that's, that's frustrating. I kind of don't care whether it costs them a little or a lot. What I care about is the experience. And if I get that great experience, like you said, net promoter score goes up. And what's the point of a net promoter score? I'm more likely to say to a friend, hey, you should use Optus internet because guess what? They use this cool app and they solve my problem in a day. And it was fantastic. So, you know, it's, it's, it's marketing yeah. taken care of if you do it correctly. Exactly. Exactly. So, and yeah, go ahead. Sure. Oh, I, I just wanted to talk about, you know, so we, we've spoken about printers and we've spoken about, so we've spoken about printers and the problems with that. We've spoken about cable companies. Yep. Who are the likely early adopters? Like who are the, what's the industries where you've found, okay, these guys absolutely get it. And they like, they're straight in sort of two feet at the same time. It, that's that's a tough one, you know. A lot of the companies that feel feel the pain are, you know, companies that support end users around equipment. But unlike the IT companies, especially in the U.S. here, who are very comfortable with technology, these companies that have equipment are still catching up with technology. In fact, I work with companies where they have, you know, close to twelve thousand technicians running around doing a lot of auto glass repair, but none of those technicians even have email. So it's, it's a tricky problem. They feel the pain and they want to adopt early because they see oh, this can really help and boost their net promoter score and, and also cut costs. But a lot of times they don't have the, the early adopter mindset. And that's one of the challenges I'm dealing with. I mean, it's like they still treat you know, small businesses and startups with a lot of caution and they're always non-committal and they want to try it, but then they back off the decision taking, making time, taking decision making. It takes a lot of time. I wish I knew if I, if I could get a, make a list of early adopters, oh, that list would be golden, but it's a struggle right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was, I was wondering about that. Like early adopters aren't typically a man in a van. So you right. know, in my experience, a lot of times maintenance is done by a contractor. So Correct. cable company calls up a contractor, they go out. Right. They're probably not the early adopters. On the flip side, you know, getting cable and wireless or someone huge to actually get your product on board, you've got the, the flip side, which is that's an enterprise sale. Right? Correct. That requires Correct. good sales team. So I guess it's that, it's that middle spot. And then you've got to find, I guess, technology first people or industries really is your first port of call. Right. So I, I can see why, you know, tech support type of companies make a lot of sense because they're naturally going to be technology first and mm -hmm. forward thinking. Mm -hmm. But I guess eventually you're going to sort of roll this this out and, you know, and everyone will adopt it and Blitz will be huge and everyone will go, how did we live without it? And that's that's the dream, right? So, right, that is, yeah. So what's what's the alternative? When you're, when you're thinking about how to position what you do, mm -hmm. what are people using it as the alternative? I tried to imagine in my mind what that would be. And I, in one way, I thought, in Australia, it's typically stacking up just more and more teams in outsourced countries like the Philippines or India, 
for Australia. And it's just like, let's just put more bodies into more buildings and that's going to be customer support. Is that the alternative that people are doing at the moment? Or is there, are there other things that, I know, and I've also seen people do, I guess, like self-help forums and things. So it's like, get the community, like run a community forum and have, you know, other customers help solve your problems. And then I see chatbots and things like that. Are they the things that are the alternatives to, you know, Blitz at the moment? Or are there other areas that you're sort of up against? What you mentioned, like chatbots and self-service and community forums are definitely one way companies are trying to reduce costs. It really depends on, you know, how complex the equipment that is being problematic is. So, you know, it's, it's no matter what amount of automation there is, there gets to a point where a customer who calls in is so frustrated that they just want to speak to somebody live. And today, when they do get to that point, how much more better would that experience be when, when you're getting somebody to actually see the problem in front of you? The next best thing for, for them to be actually standing next to you is to see it remotely through your smartphone. And once they get that experience, they really, really, uh, it's, it's a lot of empathy. It's a distress situation that you're getting empathy. And if the problem is solved, where you don't have to push it out to another day and block your time and take time off from work for that person to come in, that's huge. So to answer your question today, when customers get to that point, that they want to speak to someone, right? There's not too much out there for equipment support. For IT, yes. In fact, if you think about 10 years ago, if you think about companies like LogMeIn or TeamViewer, these were companies that were trying to make inroads into desktop sharing, where if you had an IT problem, they'd come in and try and take a look at your screen, right? So, and then they'll say, okay, go to, go to file, go down to settings, that's how you set it up, and then they'll, they'll tr- solve the problem and leave. So that's screen sharing, right? Whereas if you say, if you had a problem with your microwave at home or a 3D printer in your, in your workspace, when you call someone, there's no industrialized product out there, top of the mind brand that enterprise companies use today for the support team to come and take a look at it, look at your environment, look at the equipment, specific troubleshooting tasks during that interaction. There's nothing out there today which does that specifically. So, yeah, there's, you know, that, that's why we want to make a difference. We want to be that top of the mind brand that people think, oh, yeah, and next time we want to have a problem that needs to be looked at in, in my environment. And this could be even for insurance, for damage assessment, right? If you have a cracked floor or a broken pipe, you could get when that first notice of loss, when you call the insurance company, you could have someone immediately look at the problem and alleviate your stress during that distress situation. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it having great industrial, you know, I'm based in Australia. Mining is still, you know, the primary driver of our economy. And, you know, rigs, oil rigs, trucks, those kind of things, you know, the people who are able to fix those big beasts are often remote. And I can actually see, you know, in-field applications for a product like this. Exactly. And I particularly liked actually your, your explanation there when you talk about screen sharing, because that was, you know, it wasn't something that everybody did. And then you think, oh yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. But that's because all the answers are on the screen. You're talking about the physical world. So it's, it's screen sharing for the physical world. And it's often that kind of support. You think, ah, oh, that makes complete sense to me. Now I know exactly where you position. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't say that better. It's, it's, it is really screen sharing for the physical world. Right. So when you're, you know, onboarding customers trying to find them, so we're getting into the, the promotional side here right. and, and, and exactly how you get your company out there. Right. How have you gone about finding your first clients? Has it been straight out grind, network effect? Has it been, you know, have you been running marketing? What's been the way that you've been sort of winning those first customers into the business? Right. So we definitely, you know, 
created a landing page for our website. And then we also made ourselves known to some of the uh, accelerators or startup accelerators or startup acceler- uh, aggregators. I mean, uh, with that, you know, an innovation group in a company would go to, in an enterprise company would go to. In fact, we had an enterprise company reach out to us through one of these startup accelerator aggregators. And that was our first break because, and it was a very tough process. Uh, I remember that there were over 80 applicants to this enterprise accelerator and we did a remote demo and then uh, this is to an accelerator in UK and we were shortlisted 20, 20 startups. Then I went out there, flew out there, made a pitch to their executive board and then they shortlisted it to three companies and those three companies were then helped with some minimal funding, nominal funding for doing a 10-week pilot and we did that pilot successfully and they selected a couple for a commercial contract. So that's how we got our first break. And then using that logo, that testimonial, we did, it was mostly outbound initially. And we used uh, a lot of things like LinkedIn and used, you know, looking at companies that were competing with our, with our first customer, looking at that market space and looking at our competition as well. And looking at, looking at the companies that our competition served and looking at their competition. And it's, it's a lot of research and, you know, a lot of digging in for these outbound. Now we went into in more an inbound strategy as well later on. But initially, yeah, it was, it was these, a lot of hustling, a lot of hustling. <laughs> Enterprise sales are very, very hard. I like the idea of going into the startup ecosystem and community to find those people that may be on the enterprise side, but are desperate to be involved. They're desperate right. to find innovation and new ideas and be first to market with something. It's, a, it's actually a really nice vetting process because if someone comes along to an accelerator or a co-working space and you know they might represent a big bank or a telco, wherever it happens to be, and you're able to say, hey, yeah, this is what we're doing and they can finally find a way to work because you, you do see these big you know, giant brands, and there's usually only one or two people in there. But how do you pull out that person who's the evangelist of startups and innovation? They probably have a different job title. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So yeah, I love the way. Now that's a that's a classic approach for a startup. And I was speaking to a Y Combinator alumni last week, and he was saying, and we were talking about just the Y Combinator effect, which is once you graduate, if you've got a B two B play, you can basically go through the Y Combinator you know, graduation book and look at a whole bunch of people, pitch them your idea and they'll support you. And your first customers come as probably by the time you get to them, they're probably worth four or $500 million anyway, but there's that support and there's that natural predisposition. So it's almost like you need to find the people in the startup ecosystem are predisposed to trying new things. So I think, you know, that's a really interesting way that you've gone about it. And, And I think lots of people do it, but they don't necessarily consciously think about that's where they're going to find their customers as well. It's, it's, it's a lot of support. It's a lot of advice. Maybe oh, there's yeah. some money, but it's a great way to, to tap into those enterprise customers. Right, right. And then, and then you kind of moved into, which I think is normal now, LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is the B2B inbound lead generation machine, right? It's where, right. It's where everyone does it. So what, what are the kind of things on, on LinkedIn that you're doing that you, you seem to be having some success with? Looking at, so if there's, if there's a company that, that I want to sell to, I try and figure out, First, I need to know who do I sell to. So for, for me, for example, it's, it's definitely customer support and field support teams. Now, these are two different teams, and I want to know which level that I need to sell to. And I know mine's more at the VP level. So I looked that, look that up and type in into LinkedIn and figure out, okay, these are the people that I need to get in touch with. Who, who do I know that knows these people? And then take it from there. Also, I tap into, you know, you mentioned Y Combinator. I went through two amazing, amazing 
accelerators. One was called The Alchemist, which is very, very well known in the Bay Area here in Silicon Valley for B2B startups. And then we also hustled our way. Uh, it was a very, very competitive accelerator called uh, The Fitterator out of Cable Labs. This was basically for the cable industry. And that's why, that's how, uh, that's how I got there. I got a big break where the cable, uh, cable Labs folks had a great program of mentoring. And they had the relationships with cable companies that I could tap into and reach the buyers directly. I mean, these were people in major cable companies that if I was on the outside, would take me two years to get an email response. I was able to get it in one day. So there are a lot of unfair advantages that I had to tap into, thanks to great mentors at both these accelerators to get to where we are today. So yeah, it's a lot of hustling, but being <laughs> smart about it and talking to people who've been there and done that. I mean, I owe all the journey so far to a lot of people who've taken this path before me and then are, are generous about sharing their experience. And then I learned from them what not to do and what to do. And I think that's, that's really helping everybody at Blitz right now to keep moving and keep getting motivated to keep pushing. It's so true. Any ecosystem does well as a result of the people that have had success and are able to put back into it. Right. If everyone just takes and then leaves, then you haven't really got an ecosystem. And, you know, and look, that's how we met. It was just an introduction from someone who, I don't know, maybe, I think maybe he's a mentor of yours, but, yes. or I don't quite know the relationship, but, you know, just, he just went, hey, you know, you guys meet and you go, yes. well, they're done, <laughs> taken care of. Exactly. I mean, these, and he was, he's, a, he's a mentor from Cable Labs, a great guy. And that's how, you know, I'm forever indebted to all these mentors there. So absolutely, you're absolutely right, George. Great. So moving into so my last P, which is propagation. And it's an interesting one. You know, it's the holy grail, right? That's where, you know, customers are coming in through the door because they heard about something. And I was trying to imagine how this might manifest itself for your business. And I thought it's probably something that is baked in, in the sense that a lot of people you know, field sales or field support staff are going to change companies. Then, you know, if you're a contractor for one cable company, you're likely to either switch or change deals, or even if you're an employee, you change companies. And I feel like once you've got sort of six months with a company and, and they've experienced the greatness of your product, assuming it's all there and everything's done, you know, then they're likely to turn up and say, hey, you know, company X, we were doing this and you should have a look at it. Is that kind of your hope with propagation that it's going to be the staff using it rather than it's unlikely that the end customers are going to be the ones that create propagation for you. So do you imagine it's going to be the staff slowly moving between companies and word gets out like that? Is that, I guess, is that part of your plan for propagation of the product? It, it is, but it's also a tough path because a, a lot of these, a lot of our end users that move from like the technicians or the call center agents that move from company to company are not at that level of, they probably would tell another buddy, hey, this is a very cool software I had at my last job, but I'm not sure they may be able to influence their supervisors and their, the IT managers, the powers that be to, you know, to install an enterprise grade software, but it's, it, it is, a, it's a big ask, you know, so. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, they're, they're not at a high enough level. Right. So I guess the only other thing then is to maybe utilize it when they're loving it and create, look, you create a great explainer video. It's almost like you want to create FOMO videos yes. where you hero your existing customers and everyone goes, because that's, that's the other thing too. Like they'll watch each other. So in Australia, Australia as a market, is a land of oligopolies. Like we always have like two or three or four players in a market and they just watch each other and copy everything. So, you know, you have the example of Optus, you know, so right. in Australia, we've got Optus and Telstra. Right. If Optus does something and you hear, oh, look at Optus and they've got technicians with the AI glasses on, yeah. you can pretty much bet that Telstra is going to be out there <laughs> trying to work out, how do, how do we get that? We want a bit of that too. So maybe you've got to like, 
push the propagation through FOMO and, exactly. uh, and, and keep that video marketer or video editor of yours that you got last time working hard for you. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, just show, show a testimonial from the end user, show also a testimonial from that VP level who saved lots of dollars because of implementing this technology and also uh, boosted uh, net promoter scores, things of that sort. So both ends, you know, all the stakeholders saying great things about your technology and that coming from one enterprise company should drive FOMO in the other enterprise company. So that is the hope. Great. So if people want to, I mean, you mentioned before the, the website, but if people want to sort of connect with you or they've sort of, you know, who knows, you might have even had potential customers who listen and go, actually, I wouldn't mind giving that a try. What's the best way to find you, Rama, online? Right. So we're at www.blitz, that's blitz with two Zs, B-L-I-T-Z-Z dot C-O. And I can always be reached by email as well. And there's a contact at blitz.co. So that'll come to our team and yeah, happy to engage and help out in any way I can. Great. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. I would, again, I'd recommend people like check out your website and, and look at that explainer video because I think that just does a fantastic job of pitching exactly the problem that you solve. And I think that's one of those ones where if people can, you know, obviously they can't copy exactly what you've done, but to me, that was just it was such, such a good video. I watched and just went, oh, that saved me half an hour of reading other, <laughs> other guff on your website, which yeah. is the whole idea. So check that out and you'll get a good idea of what Rama and the team are up to. But thank you so much for joining us. It's been great chatting with you and I will let you get into the last part of your night so thank you so much thanks so much it's a real pleasure talking to you and good luck with all the great work you're doing as well (laughs) cheers thank you thanks for listening to this week's episode i hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that'll really help your business as always if you'd like to support me and the show just jump onto itunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot, and I look forward to speaking with you next week.